Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Mirandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. gentlemen. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context and review them to see if they still hold up. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about the 1975 infamous classic, Steven Spielberg's Jaws. Infamous. Is infamous the wrong word? <laughs> Famous. Famous. I think is the word you... Is infamous a bad it's pronounced thing? Infamous is a bad thing, yeah. Inf- oh, <laughs> never mind. Infamous classic will be like Pink Flamingos or something. Okay. The <laughs> classic famous movie, Jaws, directed by Steven Spielberg. I think it worked. I think it works. It's about a terrifying shark. That's what yeah. we call a pitch, Dave. Thanks for ruining that. I'm sorry. Um, and then uh, basically before we actually get into the nitty gritty of the podcast, I will remind everyone you can uh, find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com. You can uh, follow us. On Facebook. On Facebook. Just follow, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash reviewed podcast or email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. So yes, Jaws. What more is there to say about Jaws? Everyone knows this movie. This is a film about a giant shark (laughs) that terrorizes people. And it's based on a book, I believe. Yes. And it's also one of Steven Spielberg's first movies. His, Mm -hmm. um... His first major success, I would say, correct? Yes. And also um, the start of what is known as the blockbuster, the prototypical blockbuster, I believe, is mm-hmm. coined because of Jaws as a film. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very interested to get your takes. Um, as usual, Mike hasn't seen the movie. Is that correct, Mike? I've never even heard of it up until this point. <laughs> I mean, I've not. <laughs> that's what I figured. Completely out of left field, this one. Yeah, I, that's what I yeah, figured. Yeah, and okay. I'm guessing that Dave has seen it a million times. I've seen it close to a million times. I Dave's th- in it. I fall. Yeah, David. <laughs> I am a shark. I, <laughs> he is Jaws. Dave is Jaws. <laughs> I fall somewhere in the middle of that range, um, just because um, I've definitely seen it, but not nowhere to, near to the extent that so many others have, and uh, that uh, Dave seems like he mm. has. So um, yeah, there's uh, the basic plot synopsis is pretty easy. As I mentioned, it's, it takes place in a Massachusetts beach town, uh, a fictional town called Amity. Mm-hmm. Um, and a shark starts terrorizing the water surrounding that town. So it's up to a police chief who hates the water, uh, Brody, mm. to catch the uh, the massive shark. So there we go. Uh, Mike, I'm going to start with you because I'm most curious, A, to find out how the hell you never watched Jaws. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like, how does that happen? Like, how do you go through life <laughs> with that happening? Like, you have to be consciously avoiding it at all mm. times. And, Which I did. And uh, also, what did you think of it? Uh, because it's, I'm very interested to feel, to see... What someone watching it from now, uh, in in a modern perspective, (laughs) you know, watching a 1975 blockbuster, does it hold up? Is it still suspenseful? Do you consider it to be one of Steven Spielberg's best movies? Is it still culturally relevant? All that kind of stuff. So go. Um, Actually, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to watch this week, guys. So I'm going to just... Um, I had a cliff notes. No. Uh, so, I, I, honestly, you know how I annoying don't... that would be? <laughs> could you imagine? I should do that one week and see if I could pull it off. Um, no, I I, uh, I don't know how I've never seen this movie. Especially, again, as a film major, I feel like this is like standard stuff. I should have seen it. Um, I guess, I mean, to be honest, I could, have, I could have seeked it out if I wanted to. I guess I never did. It doesn't seem... I don't tend to like old movies. I feel like sometimes it just doesn't it doesn't work. The things are the cuts are weird, or the acting is weird, or the writing is weird. So I feel like I've I sometimes just don't ever seek them out. And Jaws is like ah, it's a movie about a shark and water. Like I mean, I don't know how how good could that really be. Um, so 
Now hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. But I will gladly Dave. say Dave is, Dave is like yourself. pacing the floor right now. Like, He's I, pouring himself another glass of scotch. I realize this is an audio podcast, but Dave is so excited to talk about it. He is. He's giggling. Look at him. Look at him. <laughs> go, go, go. So I, uh, I I liked it. I really, really liked it. Um, and this is one of the, like, the movies, I think, where you look back, and I, I did not feel like it was dated. I didn't feel like it was from the 70s. I didn't feel there's anything real weird going on. Um mm-hmm. I really just thought it was a solid movie, just great all around. Um, acting was good. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if I think about it, I probably could find some things I didn't love about it, but I think for overall, the most part, really well done. I think the story was concise. It was neat. It was it was well told. I think it was, uh, again, I, 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 keep, I think every so week I say... So let me ask you a quick question before you go on. What did you expect to see, and then what did you see differently? I mean, I, I expect it to just not be an interesting movie, and I, I can't say any, really anything other than that. I just, it's a movie about a shark, and like, yeah, that could be kind of cool, but like, it's a shark. There's right. more interesting premises to me. Like, I, but I, it's okay, not so, really about a shark. It's, I mean, there's a uh, shark. Well, yes. Yeah, the, the hold on. Let me finish. <laughs> let me finish. He's already defending the movie. Sorry, sorry. No, no. So, I, I, again, it, it just, the, the premise of that is, that's always what it's been about. It's a shark that like hunts through the water to the scary music, and it's just like, I mean, how, how good could that, how deep could the movie really get? Um, but like I said, I think it's, it is, it, like you just said, it's more, it's less about a shark attacking. It's more about this guy's journey as a father, as a figure of authority, as a man, and all, yeah. the, all these different things. And I think uh, um, I, I liked it. And even the special effects, I thought, were going to be second rate. Or I've always heard that it was like a robot shark. I've seen like specials on it somehow. I've never seen the movie. Mm. So like I knew it was a, a robot shark, and I was kind of expecting it to look really corny and cheesy. And... With the exception of maybe one scene, it did, it held up really well. I did, and it was and it was actively scary. Like mm-hmm. I was cringing. There was a part where I freaking jumped out of my skin. My girlfriend screamed numerous mm-hmm. times through the movie. So what part? Um, yeah, we can get into it later. But the, like the one part actually scared the crap out of me was the scene where he goes under the water and the head. Scary part of the movie. Oh head. my god! Uh, yeah. You know it's funny. Um, I've seen I, this movie. I knew it was gonna happen. I still jumped. Like it was. And I don't. I don't know if it was just. It was. It was a combination of the visual, the, the timing, the way it happened, and the yeah. fact that my girlfriend screamed bloody murder at the top of her lungs mm-hmm. scared the bejesus out of me. So like, the, I can't tell you the last time I was that startled and scared in a movie. So. Yeah. Um, well, that's when you know it's working. Exactly. Yeah, I go. To, I, I see a bunch of movies nowadays where you know I'm just like, eh, okay, the guy jumps out like the cheap scares. That was somehow what the hell they did, but that was like, ugh. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it more more in detail later. But I, uh, yeah, thumbs up. All right. So, Dave, Good pick. tell us about your childhood watching this movie. <laughs> well, I want to so know everything. Do you guys remember? I don't know if you do. Okay, but here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I'll be right back. I, I gotta run the. I run to the store. I'll be right back. So back when VCRs came out. Okay. Oh, no, back Jesus. when VCRs came out when I was you know 38 years old. <laughs> um, when VCRs came out. You used to have to rent them from. Uh, you would go to a store and you would rent VCRs and for like a birthday party or because whatever. Because they were so expensive. They were expensive. They were yeah. too expensive to buy. So people were. How so, much were they? I don't know. I have no idea. But people would. You're 38. How do you not know? <laughs> I was 38 then. Come on, work yeah, with me, right. Mike. Yeah. Um, so you'd rent VCRs and you then you could go to a video store and you could rent beta or VHS. So people used to have birthday parties where it was a big deal. Like, oh, they're gonna rent a VCR. They're gonna rent. They're gonna. Get a copy of like it was maybe Back to the Future or mm. or whatever you know Back to the Future nineteen eighty five. Anyway, first time I saw Jaws, I think I was about seven years old at a birthday party with a rented VCR. And I, I, what I remember most about Jaws as a kid is everyone wanting to rewind that last scene where the 
shark jumps on the boat and eats Robert Shaw. And yeah. they just kept wanting to rewind the spitting of the blood. And I was like, why does everyone want to do this? And so yeah. for years, that was my kind of association with Jaws. That and the fact that the sequels would just show up on HBO. And, and, I, and, and I saw uh, that. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I didn't look into that. They were lot, but yeah. really, really crappy sequels. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, it's one of those. It came out at the time where people, you know, sequels were just that's I think really the dawn of sequels were, was like the mid to late 70s. You know, there's Godfather 2 which is a masterpiece. You had Rocky too. You had... I think um, we're re-entering the age of the sequel, I think, because everyone's running out of ideas. And we're I, gonna, I, we're well, we've been a in bunch it for of, a while. I mean, yeah. every movie's a sequel. Yeah. yeah. Even I, Pixar I, now is starting to do Cars. When Pixar makes Cars too, that's when you know we're in the right. age of sequels. But, uh, you know, Jaws, I feel like, as a movie, was tar- its, its reputation was tarnished by the, by the sequels. And in the same way, the same, something like Rocky, the original Rocky, was... Uh, its reputation was was kind of diminished by all the sequels that came out that were varied in quality, and Jaws sequels were all terrible. And uh, but anyway, I'm kind of rambling here. I didn't really discover this movie until I was probably like a, a teenager in high school, and then I suddenly realized what a masterpiece this was, and and how great the uh, technically it is. I mean, mm. the the editing, the cinematography. I mean, I, I think I bought a, a wide screen. The, wide the characters screen. themselves, I think, the characters are, are great. Really, yeah. The characters are, 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 I mean, it's it's such a cliche to say that a movie should have the, the focus on the characters first and then, you know, the story and the special effects should support, support the characters. But that's not, but it's, it's, it's not common today, it's I not, don't think. It's, yeah. yeah, it's not, I mean, this that's why this movie holds up as well as it does. You know, I agree. You constantly see this movie at the top of, like, everyone's favorite movies along with The Empire Strikes Back and Back to the Future you know, of that era, seventies and eighties. And, um, the, the characters in this movie are, are, uh, they're all, they're they're practically flawless. I mean, I'd say, you know, I, there's not a minute in this movie that I feel like is wasted. I mean, I, I I love watching, um, the way, uh, the family dynamics happen and and Roy Scheider, who is the hero of the movie, uh, Chief Brody. I love watching everything that happens in his family's house, Mm -hmm. the way he talks with his wife, the way he interacts with his kids. That's all great. I love the interaction with Richard Dreyfuss, um, and seeing him as like a 20 something. He's great. I think he's, he's my favorite character in the whole movie. Yeah. He's just, uh, I I just, it's it's sometimes I I find myself stumbling over what I want to say because I'm like, He's so good. He's so good. And then you're like, wait a minute. What about Robert Shaw? Robert Shaw playing yeah. the um, the Captain Ahabish character. Obviously, this movie is right, influenced right. by Moby Dick. And those are your three central characters, and they're so distinct from each other, and they interact with each other so well in that second half that um, it doesn't matter that it actually maybe gets a little repetitive. I think in some parts of it at the end, but. Um, you know, and then just the technique. I mean, Spielberg is almost like the fourth star of this movie in a way. I mean, he's his technique, and um, there's it, just such a like a such an energy to this movie that I feel like has never gotten old. So, um, I mean, you could just and you can really just kind of dig into all the things that this movie is actually about. If you go back and read old old reviews from the '70s, um, you know, they'll say that this is just like a, a really well executed thrill ride, the same way they, they kind of did with Jurassic Park. 20 years ago, but now people kind of have a higher regard for Jurassic Park, just like the way they now have a higher regard for Jaws, I think. So, um, I, I think I want to pass it on to you because you look like you're well, going to okay. say something. Well, Is Ivan still here? Where's Ivan? Oh, I thought you just... <laughs> oh, hi guys. Here I am. Um, yes, Jaws is a very good movie. I mean, I, I hate... I hate like doing movies. Part of me hates doing movies like this for the podcast because it's just going to be us jizzing on it for like oh. an hour. But like... What can we say that's new? No, no, well, I mean, I can talk about a lot of things 
about this film, obviously it's incredibly entertaining. And the one thing that's amazing about this film is um, it's very uh, associated with summer with me. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I could watch this oh, movie at yeah. the beginning of every summer and mm-hmm. it would just, it would work. Like, you know, I watch It's a Wonderful Life every year at Christmas time. I could watch this movie every summer and have no problem with, you know, you know, watching it again and again, because it just feels, it feels emblematic of a, a season of a time, which is, which is fantastic. Um, I think the characters are great. As you said, Dave, um, and I think I was most amazed watching this time is how simple it is. Thank you. It's yes. just so, nothing about it's complicated, but it's incredibly entertaining. That's what which I, is, I, I, I wanted, think. I, I'm sorry. I just want to say yeah. like so many movies nowadays are so complex, but for yes. no reason whatsoever. Well, no, the reason is because I think because the story is so weak, they have to invent artificial complication, mm-hmm. artificial mm-hmm. tension. When if you tell the story right and you execute something well, you don't need to do that. So, I mean, they spend the first half of the, It's very famous in this movie that you don't see the shark until well yes. over 45 minutes in. Like, that's mm-hmm. a very famous stat of this mm-hmm. movie, which is, which is awesome. But it also gives... I mean, they did that a lot for technical limitations, I'm guessing, because they couldn't show an ugly-looking shark. Right. Uh, um, but the other thing is it not only build, it builds tension, but it also allowed Spielberg time to build those great characters that you, you learn to really like and pay attention to. So by the time you do see Jaws, you're firmly invested with all three of these dudes, um, especially Brody and especially um, Hooper. Mm-hmm. It's Hooper, right? Uh, Richard Reifus's character Hooper Hooper's yeah, his yeah, name yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so all that is fantastic I do Wh- think I do agree with Dave that by the time they get to the third act of the movie which is them on the Orca mm-hmm. just the whole movie takes place out there I feel like it slows down a bit I, I think that the first half of this movie is better for me mm. um, does it wow that I'm being so- said the second half of the movie has the best scene in the movie which we'll, I'll go into that later mm-hmm. we'll, I'm going to ask you guys what your favorite scenes were uh, but I have one that I think is a clear standout in the mm-hmm. film but go ahead, Mike. What were you going to say? Well, I, I just, I, to, to go back to the point of simplicity, I think like, uh, you know, you look at a lot of modern day superhero movies and a lot of other ones that are very similar. There is, spectacle is overused. Everything is so over the top. If this was a movie made today, mm-hmm. you would see that shark go on the shoreline and wipe out about 50 people. It would be a bloodbath. You'd have... <laughs> Sharknado. You'd, exactly. You'd have this, this in, in order to get the audience like terrified about the fact... What, what did they do in this movie? They, they had him attack one, one kid. Mm-hmm. Well, they did have him kill they, a kid, which is pretty mm-hmm. ballsy. Right, but think about what... It was only one kid. And you don't even see and it happen. You, see you, don't, you don't see it happen. Yeah. You see the after effects and you mm-hmm. let the audience kind of, because it's so real, I think a lot of modern movies don't allow a scene to be rich and to have a couple moments. It's Everything is so fast. Mm-hmm. You don't get the emotional impact of seeing something happen and th- thinking like, my God, it just a kid just died. A girl mm-hmm. just died. They spend a lot of time, I think, letting you soak in the emotion of a lot of scenes. I, I, I love these kinds of movies where they have the character development, where they have the richness of emotional depth in each scene where you can actually sit there and feel this. And then you don't see the shark. You don't see the shark. I think about one of the scariest scenes, like right before the kid gets attacked, I think, mm-hmm. is he's on the beach and he's looking for the shark. You keep expecting the shark to show up. You keep expecting, you see the kid with the fake fin mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it shows up somewhere else. That scene is so tense because you know it's coming. You mm-hmm. know it's somewhere mm-hmm. and you know what this guy's feeling. He's, he's the protector of the people, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's the chief police officer or whatever. He's on that beach trying to protect people. He's also and trying he's to looking. prove himself at the mm-hmm. same time. Absolutely. This is, what, first year doing this or something? Right, right. I mean, they, 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 I like how they, uh, with Roy Scheider's Chief Brody character, they give him 
a sense of background without going into too much detail. Like I think in, in a movie, in a version of this movie today, it would probably start off in New York. He would probably being you would probably be a cop. He would probably like shoot a shoot or a, a teenager that pulls out like <laughs> yeah. a, a flashlight or something, and then he would be traumatized, and then they'd cut to like Amity. You know, yeah. they, or you'd they, have they flashbacks. Give, you'd have right. flashbacks. Through, you right. Know. They give him enough background. It's, it's clear that he's uh, he's, he's, he's left he's, New York. Right. That he that he likes being a cop. He likes protecting people, but he wants this simple life with his family. And, you know, and of course now he's got like this crazy thing that's going Mm -hmm. on. (laughs) The only thing I would say that I I wish they did more of is his aversion to water. I felt like wasn't Mm -hmm. capitalized enough. I think you see it here and there, but it wasn't. I think they could have they could have pushed it a bit more. I feel like they could have you could have seen the more in the beginning. I feel like that's a big is that a Spielberg trope where you have the unlikely hero who has like a like a minor flaw that's somehow related to the well, topic? He has to overcome. Yeah. yeah. For instance, you think about Jurassic Park. Grant hates kids, but he mm-hmm. has to get two kids through Jurassic Park. Like sure. I can I can yeah. put a lot of parallels between. Yeah, I wouldn't limit that to Spielberg. Dr. I think that's a pretty common trope that's just in, general. in general. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. You have to kind of overcome your big right your hubris, as it were. I mean, the bare bones of this movie is to me it's a movie about fear and overcoming it. You know. Yeah. And uh, and. I mean, he's the protagonist of this movie. The, the other characters have their own character arcs, I think. But, yeah, they uh, do. But yeah. really, it's really focused on Roy Scheider's character. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like the audience surrogate, right? Like we're supposed to be in his shoes. This is yeah. probably a dumb question, but has he been in a lot of other things? God, what Roy a dumb question that was. Roy Scheider? Well, do, yeah. do you really want to ask? Hold on. No, okay. Well, I mean, so I, I knew him first from going to see 2010, which is the sequel to 2001, A Space Odyssey. I didn't even know Have that you, movie existed. You didn't know that? that yeah, 2010. There's, there's, Kubrick didn't direct that there's, No, no, he didn't. It, was, it came out. It was directed by Peter Hyams, who's not a very good director. But I remember seeing, uh, but he's a very good visual stylist. And it came out in theaters, and it was a big deal. Roy Scheider starting it. That's where I first saw him. He played, um, well, we don't have to get into into that too much but that's but, what Roy but, Schneider is and he was yeah, nominated and, and for to be, and to be, was, I'm being sarcastic because I, I don't know I've never seen this guy I've never seen him I'm looking at his oh, you've never seen him right okay. well, he was so in the I French Connection he was nominated for an Oscar okay. for the oh, French Connection he was in the Punisher 2004's Punisher he was? the Thomas Jane version <laughs> apparently <laughs> he was he was for for younger generations He people probably know more from the, this show called Sequest which I never really <laughs> watched the Talking Dolphin I, I, I don't know I never really watched Jonathan it Jonathan Brandis he show. is in a lot of movies I have never heard about in the 70s and 80s he was in a lot of movies and I think he kind of migrated to television but uh he was he's always been this like very he was always this very solid character actor um much like his character he wanted a simple life yeah i guess <laughs> but uh, richard dreyfus was uh was was just starting to become kind of a famous he, he kind of became a big star in the late 70s and and mainly uh, to do with spielberg the, because after right. this was close encounters close encounters and a lot of other movies in the 80s that weren't nearly as good but um, and he's, he's still uh, kicking today. And, and Robert Shaw, who plays Quint, uh, he he actually I think looks a lot older than he really is. In this movie. He died at fifty one of a heart attack. So he's you know, who is that? Uh, the guy who Shaw? plays Quint, yeah, Robert Shaw, yeah. So he, not shortly, uh, just a few years after this movie. So uh, that's unfortunate, but um, yeah, everybody in this movie is is terrific. I think. I mean, um, those are the three main. Uh, characters, and I'm trying to think who plays the wife, Lorraine Gary. She she ends up in Jaws four, I think. 
The Revenge. There were four of these things? There were four Jaws movies. The last one came out in the mid-80s at some and point. And let me guess. It's much like Alien, where the first one is really great intellectual, and, and then the second and third are just like dumb action well, movies. Well, well we're not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretend you didn't Kane? say that about Aliens, the which, sequel. Which one I, did, is, um, I did say it. Oh, which and one Aliens is Michael Kanan? a masterpiece. What? Which Michael one is Kane? Michael Caine? Michael Caine was in the fourth one. Where, so there's a famous quote by Michael Caine where he says, people ask him about Jaws 4, he says... Um, I never actually saw the movie, but I saw the house that it bought me, and it's lovely. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's, Which is fantastic. Hey, I mean, I sold a house that it bought job. me. You have to, you have to make a living. I knew it was lovely. Which is no. one of my favorite responses. No, Michael Caine is not in the first one, though, so. No, he's not. <laughs> Which is really a tragedy. Cause so let's talk a little bit about uh, Jaws itself. Let's get into this a little bit. The Jaws? Yeah. The, the shark. First thing I want to ask, I'm going to go around. Smoothie about teeth. It's a movie about teeth. Let me go round robin. <laughs> teeth of the town, teeth of greed. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite scene and why? Dave, why don't you take this one first? <laughs> okay, well, I'm I mean, gonna, I, I, gotta go through I a couple. Think, I have something in plan, so if you want. Oh, me to okay. Go you first. know what? I think. I oh, think. Okay. I think my favorite scene. Sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it back because I don't want you to call it before right. I do. Um, I think my favorite scene. It's one between two. I think it's between. Ah, I don't know. Okay, I'm just gonna say these two. May or may not be my favorite. I think the scene on the beach, like I talked about earlier, of just like the being afraid of nothing. There's nothing there, and you're just mm-hmm. terrified every single shot. You think something is happening, whatever. I like that one. That's very good. I also really enjoy it. I know you guys. I think I'm talking about the, the Alex Kittner scene where he's on the raft. That, that yes, part. okay, yeah, yes. Okay. Um, and I think you're probably not going to agree with me on this one, but the the scene where they're on the orca and they're exchanging. Scars. No, that's the best yes. scene in the movie. Okay, good, cool. Okay, okay yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I even like they're they're all you know they're exchanging their different scars, and I even like how at that point, um, that's the uh, kind of thing that you you won't really appreciate as a kid seeing it at a birthday party or whatever. But when you, when right. you see it when you're like 16, 17, and adult, whatever, yes. you're like, oh my god, this thing's great. It's like, how, how did I miss this? The whole monologue he has, and then even I like when Roy Schneider kind of like just or Schneider he uh, lifts up his shirt, looks at his scar, and he's like, yeah. hmm, whatever, like an appendix. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, he just yeah. doesn't even bring it up. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing about that scene, the reason it's my favorite in the movie, um, we're talking about the Indianapolis speech scene, right? That's like, yeah. That's but the point. reason it's so amazing is it's structured so well. It starts out very lighthearted, um, where they're talking, they're, they're exchanging barbs about their scars that they've got and the various injuries they've had, and and um, Richard Dreyfuss's character makes a big joke about his biggest scar is his broken heart from a you know a crush yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah. you think it's going to be that that could, in, in in a lesser movie that would have been the end of that scene. Ha ha ha! They're having camaraderie and then the shark would attack, right? But yeah. no, then it gets it, it takes a very stark turn where it goes from a very lighthearted scene to something that's very like dark and emotional. And it's probably the most intense scene in the movie, at least for me. And you see nothing. It's just a guy talking mm-hmm. about yeah. this horrible experience that happened to him. And that's really, and how again. how fascinating and dev- and. And the amazing thing about it is you just picture it in your head. And that's partially yeah. due to the writing, but also the great performance. I think the writing, the writing and the performance. You can paint that picture so well, and yeah. you can see it. You can feel it. Like, you, you get sucked in. I mean, is that what's, how long is that, that monologue? It's not. Mm. It's pretty long, though, isn't it? Or a, no? few, a couple minutes. I mean, it's, it's, long, you know, it's long enough to make yeah. you like, really sit up and pay attention. You yeah, and it's one of those things, again, like, and the guy had to memorize it. I feel like these are things we don't pay attention to. I don't pay attention to anyway. Mm-hmm. I think I had to memorize that whole thing and be able to deliver it. Like I just that that impresses me. I feel like there's that's mm-hmm. it's just good storytelling, good yeah. writing, good acting, just good overall talent. And, and Miss, correct whole. me if I'm wrong, but I think John Milius, who was a, a director and writer in the '70s and '80s, uh, kind of obsessed with military and jaw and not jaws and and guns and 
And he, I think he directed Conan, The Barbarian, and other stuff. And, and he, he worked on Apocalypse Now. I think he wrote art. I think he wrote the speech for that this one particular speech. They called him in just for the speech, or did he did. I think thing? so. I think he like wow. helped work on the script, and he he wrote the speech. He was, uh, you know, knowledgeable about military uh, history, I guess. And that's what this is: the story about a, cool. a very true uh, military uh, disaster. Mm. Which yeah, it's scary. Just I mean, just just uh, I was trying to think what what about this deli- what about his delivery makes it so intense and terrifying. And it's it's probably the, all the levity that leads up to it, and then also there's something about the way he like he's grinning as he's telling it. You know, there's this, he's a got set, a particular set, way. Yeah, he's like he's trying to cover up like the like the pain. I guess you know he's like he's kind of grinning and grimacing as he's telling the story and. And you yeah. can tell this is a man that's been like drinking away the pain and and chasing after sharks ever since, and yeah, um, you know, and getting uh, his revenge, getting his yeah, yeah. The revenge. So, um, but it's very clear, you know, how how much this this event scarred him, and how you know you understand his motivation more than you did before. I think. Um, yeah. So what, go ahead, Mike. Oh, sorry. I was saying, what I like about that is the fact that again, a lot of times I think it's it's opposite of the, the normal trope we see a lot, where a character has something that he doesn't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've done some things I'm not proud of. I can't talk about. Mm-hmm. Clearly, this has been something I discard this guy, but he is not afraid of sharing it. He kind of like, I feel like in some way it's his coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. He's not afraid to talk about it in great detail as a way of like, this is what I've been through. You don't see that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. again, it's just like that. Oh, the mysterious brooding character. You never know what really happened. You know, or, I, or I, you, at least in this one, you probably, it would probably show it visually somehow. Like, yeah. I could see Or them. you think about that. I mean, think about like how, how? Easily, this could have just been bad exposition of him just like, oh, I'm going to tell you all about the time, mm-hmm. how I got scarred the way. And then they right. pulled it off it's, well. It's an interesting point because I feel like if I were to try to write something like this in a screenplay, I'd be like, this is just bad exposition. It's just exactly. the character yeah. telling his story. Like, yep. this is bad. But for some reason, it just really works here. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with the performance. It really does. Yep. Um, and also just, like I said, that transition from happy to... Too. Very sinister, and then the mm-hmm. way it breaks up with the actual attack from yeah. Jaws. And it's also, just, it's just think, lovely how you hear like the whale sounds, and then he's it's just like that. What, that's what cues the singing, and then you know how they're able and to. What I like too is that it, I think the reason why it isn't bad exposition is because they were able to work it into a way that was organic and natural. And this is where someone would actually go into soliloquy. They talk about mm-hmm. what happened to them. You wouldn't see this on the beach. You wouldn't see... I mean, I think the, the time and, and the way they've chose to reveal that was well done. And I think it, it, it works for the character and the story. So I didn't get to say my favorite scene. Oh, go I ahead. I mean, this is... And I'm supposed to say this is my favorite scene because this is this is, this is is like the scene from the movie. But I think... The exploding It's shark. usually this one or the opening scene that's like the, the classic, um, you know, where, where she runs on the water and it's like the poster of the... Of, of the movie, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the opening the, scene the, way, of the movie. The legs kicking. The legs, the, legs yeah, yeah. The, the way she's tugging and the way you don't see anything and the music and it's just, I mean, that scene is amazing That scene too. was tough to watch too. It, My it, gosh. And, just and you like, don't even see anything. You just, yeah. Her performance is so, it's just this actress who, you know, who just happens to be really amazing at acting terrified. Ooh, but man, my favorite scene. She keeps getting pulled under and like, yeah. My favorite scene is the one with the, uh, the pier. Where the two guys think they're they're gonna go and with they're the gonna, roast with the roast they're gonna you know <laughs> it's 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 kind of a goofy scene that becomes terrifying you know because yeah it, uh, it, it, and it's almost like 
they're they're talking, but they don't really need to talk in this scene. I mean, they they add some humor, a little bit of humor to the, the the conversation. But the way that scene progresses, it's almost like you're just seeing the silhouettes. It's dark. It's you know, it's mm. you're not really seeing that much, but you're seeing just enough so that you know what goes on. And the way that um, you know, the two characters are trying to catch the shark, and they don't know what they're dealing with, and then one of them gets pulled into the water, and the way that pier just kind of slowly just dissolves, out, yeah. And then the way John Williams' score picks up as that pier turns around, I mean, it's just this like, it's one of these perfect for me, a perfect movie moment. The way where it just it goes out, and the way the score just like rises, and the pier's turning around, and the guys yelling, "Come back, come back, come back!" And you know, like. I just want to grab my legs and pull them up. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my god, guy, come on, swim, swim, and and you know, and, and, and again, I like that he lived too. I think like you know, I, yeah. I was expecting him to get just right bitten up. Both of them die, and it's like, whoa, right. another right. body count. Well, we've already seen a couple of guys die. It's nice, right, it's nice, right. It's a nice sense and of relief, and that's what I like. Mm-hmm. This movie, I think, takes death and doesn't cheapen it by mm-hmm. just killing everyone and making right. his body count. Right, it does it where it matters, and that's right. that, that scene. It does it. Mm-hmm. It terrifies you. You know, right. this thing is not to be trifled with. You know, this is like you know, and it's and it's and it's kind of slow. Like the terror in this movie isn't like like come up and and grab you slow. It's like it builds and it builds and it mm-hmm. builds. And you know, I, I I've always appreciated that scene. So I I want to say that's my favorite. No, it's good, and it's also unconventionally a good like a good pick <laughs> because everyone's gonna pick that orca scene. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Spielberg as a director because, you know, everyone, you know, ha- hails him as a genius and probably rightfully so. He's got such a humongous canon of work, and this is obviously him as a young filmmaker making this movie. What about this movie does Spielberg contribute, like, specifically? Like, what do you think he adds to the movie, whether it's shots or technique? Like, uh, is there anything that particularly in your mind that stands out as a very much a Spielberg influence on the film? You want me to go with? Okay, I think you're so. the only person that can ask between the two yeah, of us. Yeah, well, I mean, if you if you go back and watch Spielberg movies, I mean, they, it definitely changed. I mean, I, I would say early '90s, Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year was kind of a turning point where his movies, you know, uh, for me at least, I feel like he he lost the ability to really end a movie well. I feel like Jaws is a movie that has a, a great ending. I mean, it's like a cliched audience pleasing you know, crowd-pleasing moment with uh, him blowing up the shark and everything, and they swim back to shore. But the dialogue of them swimming back to shore is... It's great. It's, you don't it's see great. Them, it's great. You don't see them getting back to shore and yeah. getting celebrated and hailed as heroes. Yeah, I was I actually going to say that uh, in, a, in a different movie in a different time, you mm-hmm. would have gotten back and there would have been a, an epilogue where they would he would have hugged his wife. Yeah, and exactly. And then the mayor would have patted him on the back. Yeah. Hey, I was like, wrong all along. You know, you know like, yeah. stuff like that. Like, yeah. Spielberg yeah. knew how to end a movie. I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark with the you know with the Indiana Jones and, and his you know and Marion walking down the stairs and then it cuts yeah. to the cuts to the um, the crates and the and thing. And the thing, E.T., I mean, E.T. is one of, for me, one of the most amazing endings of all time. I mean, the way, I mean, it's, it's sentimental and it's sappy, but it just, it, it makes me cry every, you know. And uh, so, I mean, he really, to me, you know, he really knew how to end a movie back then. And Jaws, um, you know, has his stamp of like, uh, like, okay, so we, we, I've gotten you this far. I'm really going to make sure that, uh, you know, we pay this off. Okay, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to walk out of this theater feeling good. So I think as far as, uh that's like an overall um, kind of Spielbergness, I think, to the movie. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, let's, let's talk about technique. Technique. Well, hey, he, let me jump in real quick because I, sure. I, I think I maybe I know what you're saying. <laughs> I, I always associate Spielberg with, I think, maybe a traditional, call me out on this if I'm wrong, but like a traditional formulaic movie where it's like this happens and this happens and this happens and happily ever after. And everyone mm-hmm. knows, you know, survives. It's a happy ending. And there's no real dark stuff for the most part with the exception of you were Schindler's List, right? Yeah, Schindler's List. Okay, I thought so. That's an exception. <laughs> yeah. I think most of the time I associate him with like some movies that are like a little bit more, <laughs> not saccharine. You know what I mean? Like it, 
not a lot of depth, maybe more like family friendly. Maybe it's a lot of family right. movies. So it's kind of like everyone. If there's a criticism just, against Spielberg, you can make the argument that he's a little sappy. I mean, right, you can right, make yeah. that argument. And I feel like in this movie, yes, but I think there's also like he's just murdering kids and like mm-hmm. people are getting limbs cut off and ripped right. off, is, and their main character just gets eaten by the thing. This was so before like he, he had a family of his own, so I feel like he, <laughs> right. he was maybe less and uh, more willing to make a movie. See, like See, and I think that may actually that that's a very interesting insight because I feel like that's the case. Once you have a family, it's maybe it's tougher to kill off your character. It's tougher to be yeah. brutal and be like you know not to say that this movie ends on a bad note it doesn't but I think it is darker than what I'm used to when I think mm-hmm. of Spielberg you know mm-hmm. um, so yeah let's talk about a little bit about technique there's a couple um, things about the movie that I noticed while watching so I was trying to watch it I was trying to watch it analytically which is not a great way to watch a movie and I think it's a testament to how much fun this movie is to watch that I gave up watching it analytically and just enjoyed myself about <laughs> 20 yeah. minutes into it yep. but you know in the first 20 minutes I noticed how simple frames were and compositions were and how basically little things were like uh, how little he would cut you know like mm-hmm. there just wasn't a ton of even conversations would be take place in a single shot or he would stage action or block action mm-hmm. yeah, characters he, would move to a part of the frame they right. they talk in that frame and then they would leave and then would cut to the next scene it, it, it just it, flows so well it does flow right. very very well and um the other infamous technique i'd be remiss if i didn't bring this up is the infamous uh one the, shot the infamous. dolly zoom yes uh, oh where, man we, we can call it infamous that that is definitely infamous <laughs> because and that's is that, that's it was, it was in, right that's right. The, it's the vertigo zoom i have right. never seen one that drew that um uh what's the word heavy uh, yeah i know what you mean extreme extent? yeah that yeah. i was like what you, i've seen it done it's in lord yeah. of the rings it's all over the place but mm-hmm. that one i'm like Oh, whoa, they, definitely, they pushed it. Yeah. But it's a good time to use it because it's a very ostentatious shot, but at the same time, oh, it's it, great. that moment calls it. for yeah. it. Yeah. And, and again, mm-hmm. the performance uh, warrants it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it all kind of works out. You were going to say something else about uh, technique, right, Dave? Yeah, well, I was going to say he's he's very good at um, in this movie. It's almost like he's, he, and something he doesn't do so much in other movies, later movies, is he has uh, characters kind of talk. He has a lot of different kind of things happening at once. And I feel like in later movies, he, he didn't have that as much. You know, he would focus more on one scene. In the 70s, there was this director, uh, Robert Altman, who's a very famous director. Ooh, who, that may be my next pick. Okay, Oh ahead. Yeah, Robert I'm, Altman. Maybe he, do Nashville when I pick one. Go, okay, go Sorry. okay. Um, Robert Altman was famous for bringing this kind of uh, overlapping dialogue kind of uh, style to, to, to movies where, you know, in real life, you know, you go outside, it's not one conversation at a time. It's, you know, a bunch of conversations happening. So... Uh, I think other directors were starting to adopt a little bit of this technique in, in their movies, and I, and I feel like I noticed it a little bit in Jaws, especially in a lot of the, obviously not on the boat, because they're not going to talk all over each other on the boat, but in the, those early scenes where there's a lot of crowds and a lot of people kind of interacting and talking with each other, there's a lot of, um, you know, what seems simple, but I think is really complicated, where he's going from one, you know, one moment, one group of characters to the next, and, uh, you know, very smoothly, you know, there's a lot of scenes with Roy Scheider kind of going to a phone and going to another person talking to this guy, talking to that mm-hmm. guy. And it mm-hmm. feels to me like it's I'm like, like, how did he stage all this stuff? It yeah, almost it looks f- like it feels like a living town. You feel like you're not it's, it doesn't yeah. feel well, you the word stage, but it doesn't yeah. feel stage. It doesn't feel like this is a artificial. Feel like this is a living, right. breathing city full right. of people, you know. So he's able to make things that aren't like special effects scenes and, and action scenes feel alive and fun to watch, you know, feel like a summer movie kind of thing you know and, and there's really not you know any you know there's no explosions there's no action really happening it's just all dialogue and staging right he's really really good at doing that 
No, I, I mean, it, yeah, obviously. He was at this point in his career. I mean, it's, oh, you seem to have turned on Spielberg. <laughs> well, I mean, no, 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 no. Spielberg. well, I mean, I, 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 go I mean, for it, man. Go for the jugular. Here we uh, go. Oh, well, we don't have to. I mean, say something that you hurts. Should, you should say something, and then we can talk it. Oh, just what, what should I say <laughs> about I mean, I, I, I don't have like this. I don't give Spielberg a pass. I feel like a lot of people give him a pass for like being the greatest filmmaker of all time. I don't think that at all. Yeah. I just think that there are certain things he does incredibly well. And I think Jaws is a representative example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, I'm just trying to think about like, what about the movie works so well for me? And I think it's this combination of caring about the characters, but also being incredibly scared at times. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm still terrified by this movie. And you still think about like, I don't think after you watch Jaws, you can look at the ocean ever the same again. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to not go into the ocean, but it's always in the back of your head well, you after shouldn't. seeing a movie like Jaws. Yeah, even a deep, the deep end of the pool, I would think about. And that if a movie stuff. has, it like, could be anywhere, <laughs> guys. I I wouldn't even take a bath anymore after this. <laughs> but I think I think that if the movie has that effect, especially because you know I know that sharks really aren't killers and design. You know, well, they're very peaceful. Human. They're actually they don't like. They're not. They're herbivores. I think mm. for the most part, herbivores. Yeah. Right, herbivores. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think this movie got a lot of flack back in the day for painting sharks in a bad light. Which they, it just does. Which is <laughs> yeah. It, 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 well, you don't want to get eaten. I guess for killing people, machines. For that's not who aren't true. Fans okay? of being eaten. I guess yes. Yeah, and I, look, I, I have a lot of shark friends. Okay, and they're not this bad. I just feel like it's a little like. Specious. <laughs> specious. It's a little specious. I agree. But that being said, it, you know, I'm just really glad. Like, I think this is the kind of movie, as Mike says, that in 10 years, you know, I'm going to show my son this and he's going to be scared by it and he's not going to want to go he, in the water. He too will crap his pants yeah. through the ocean. <laughs> so, uh, and, and this is a PG movie where you see boobs. Wait, whoa, what? You barely see. You see Oh, you boobs. see him. Oh, you see him, Let Dave. me tell you, Dave, after rewatching this movie, <laughs> This movie also made Ivan into a man. <laughs> no, see, that's the thing, though. That's I mean, what we're watching, is movies that made Ivan into this a man. Movie, this podcast should be renamed Movies That Made Me Into a Man. Uh, movie, this movie came out in 1975, right? Yeah. I didn't grow up watching Jaws. I mean, I was, I was, I was zero mm-hmm. when this movie was 10 years old. So it's not like this is a movie that, <laughs> like... I, I am stunned that this is PG, this movie. This well, is this PG is bef- oh, before PG-13 came out. Before right? PG-13 okay. was It's created. funny the way you put that. I was zero when this movie was 10 years old. Yeah. Can't you just say you were born 10 years after this movie <laughs> No, 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 no you were negative 10. <laughs> I was a twinkle in my father's eye yes. when this movie came yes. out. Um, and I think that's very interesting because this isn't a movie that, like... Like, I watched... Like, Jurassic Park may be my favorite movie of all time. I've seen... Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park so many times that I know every scene backwards and forwards. I don't have that relationship with Jaws, you know? Mm-hmm. So the fact that it still holds up with me because my my love for this movie and watching it again is not based out of nostalgia. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's not... Like a movie like The Rocketeer, I give a pass because I'm nostalgic towards right, it. Right, but a right. movie like Jaws, it's not nostalgia that beckons me back to it. And mm-hmm. I think it's just a really good movie. Right. And I think that... That I think that as I watch do this podcast and I watch movies that I'm very familiar with and I watch movies that you know I'm kind of familiar with, I think that the ones that most impress me are ones like Jaws that don't have you know that they're not grading on a curve. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so that that that's why I think this movie holds up is the fact that it doesn't need nostalgia to get by. I agree. Mm-hmm. And, I, and as I said, how many movies we've watched where I've been like, mm-hmm. uh, if I saw this today, I'd be disappointed. Not this one. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't say that. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, did, uh, oh, a couple things I want to discuss. There's a couple. I want you, to, Dave, being the the cinematic expert that he is, I want him to get into <laughs> the the symbolism and themes that you can draw from Jaws beyond it being just a great 
you know, summer blockbuster type movie. But before you do that, I did want to talk a couple of things I picked up on for the first time, and I'm very proud of myself from watching this movie. Um, it's clear that Jaws was heavily influential on filmmakers that are now very popular nowadays. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Kevin Smith has like a Jaws reference in every one of his movies. Mm -hmm. But um, did you notice a, a quote that obviously influenced Brian Singer, the yes. director of X-Men? That's some bad hat. That's, that's, bad, bad, hat that's, a, that's yeah. one that, bad that hat. That scene is right. Well, yeah, I, I, knew, I knew that company. when I saw Brian Singer's production I have, company. I'd... I've <laughs> never, I, you know, I just saw X-Men this past weekend for the for the new X-Men in theaters. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, he's got his logo, which bad is the usual, sex, usual suspects characters, but mm. it's bad hat Harry. And I'm like, yeah. I wonder what that's from. And I was watching Jaws. I'm like, oh, yeah, because they actually have, from. if yeah, you watch Tarantino House, at the end of House, they have like a cartoon scene of the guy saying like, that's some bad hat Harry. It is like shot for shot. I mean, not compositionally, but it's the shot of two guys on a beach, one guy with a weird hat. It's a scene from Jaws. Yeah. When I'd I saw be, that, I'm like, curious oh to know why my he... God, that's what it's from. <laughs> so I'd be curious to know why he picked that. But No, but obviously filmmakers, well, my assumption is there, there's, a, there's a generation of filmmakers that are now in their 40s and, you know, 40s and 50s that grew up watching Jaws and, mm -hmm. you know, are inspired by Spielberg and... Brian Singer is one of them. He's yeah. of that age where mm -hmm. I'm. He was a kid. It's like J.J. Abrams. J.J. Right. Abrams was the age of watching Jaws. Right. And same with uh, Brian Singer and Kevin Smith and all right. those people. Right. So uh, it's amazing when you think about it generationally how mm. much this film had to do with influencing those people. Right. But that being said, Dave, tell me, tell me about yeah, this movie. Get well, deep I mean, with me. I mean, so I, I remember when I you know first started to really discover this movie, and, I, and my dad would say, "So do you know what this movie's about?" And I would say, uh, it's yeah, you know, it's a really, it's really awesome movie about these guys fighting a shark. And he's like, well, no, it's about greed. I'm like, greed? Mm. What's well, greed? I didn't really say what's greed. But, you know, it, <laughs> then you start to realize that, okay, so there really is, um, you know, yeah, you start to pay that. attention to, like, um, how they're they're contrasting the greed of the shark with the greed of the town. And, uh, you know. Everyone it, that, yeah, it's a, you got it's the a guy little bit, who's offering to kill the shark for a lot of money and he dies in the right. town. Well, yeah. yeah, and his greed and hubris is what kills him. Right, right. Yeah. right. You know, it's about, you know, over, and obviously we know it's about overcoming fear. That's pretty obvious. Uh, but there, you know, it, it does. It's, it doesn't seem that subtle now. I would say. I mean, but the what, way it comments on capitalism. What else? What, what else, you know, what else besides the mayor? I, I which is say, obviously I, a capitalistic would, commentary. Because he's obviously wants the money to, to keep the beaches open. What else is? Be, what else is greed or capitalistic? capitalism based on the movie well because i mean greed and survival i mean like you know i mean that, that the mayor basically is uh he's, he's he seems kind of greedy but there's also just an element of like I, well our town needs to survive you know this is what we need to happen in order for mm -hmm. our town to survive the shark is the same way i mean it's like i'm here i need to eat uh there's something to eat you know so uh i yeah and and then it becomes obviously about survival out you know until the end of the movie, I think really. it's in many ways. It's, I think I feel like it's it's story about stories that it is three stories about three different men, and I think their journey to I think kind of less so about Shaw. I think Shaw kind of already is you know the, the typical archetypal man. I think like he's he's seen some stuff, he's been around, and he kind of dies. Mm -hmm. right. But the other two, in many ways, each of them I think have their manhood called in question. Where you have the the main guy who's afraid of the water, he's afraid, he's not sure if he can make it as a as a figure of authority. Um, and yet the other guy, uh, Hooper, which we haven't really talked a whole lot about, I don't think. Richard who Dreyfus. I think is the yeah, Dreyfus, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's the best character in the movie. And I think even he like he gets some crap from uh from Quint about the fact that like, what do you got a cage? You got all mm -hmm. like he kind of calls him into question, like, what well, what kind of man are you? You don't have all the mm -hmm. and the two of them I think were both redeemed at the end of the movie. They kind of they they're they're if he didn't bring the, the tank on board, mm -hmm. they wouldn't have killed the shark. He right. gets in the shark tank. Right. And think about the fact he's in a in a cage and the shark's mm -hmm. coming, like, you know, he 
kind of does come hand to hand with the with the shark in a very real way, much mm-hmm. like Quint did as well. So I feel right. like you know it's their journey, and I see that like they're both validated by the end of the movie, and, and they both you kind say of. Anything, I just want to point out that it's good that you're bringing up Hooper because it, there's one thing I didn't think about when I watched this movie. It, and, and uh, something that I appreciated about this time around is that this movie is also about smart people doing brave things. And yeah. that's something I kind of well, appreciate. That's a cool way of putting that. Yeah. That's, it's something I appreciated about this movie, right? I mean, a lot of times you see like, oh, this guy's not so smart, but he's really brave. And he's got a good heart or whatever. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of characters like, say maybe Captain America or whatever, recent blockbusters. He's, you know, he, he's got a great heart or whatever, but he's not the brightest guy. I right. like seeing people who really know, you know, their craft or they know their, their job. And it's real cool uh, seeing Richard Dreyfuss talk about like this is not your shark the bite radius would have been bigger right let's cut it open let's see exactly slower slower digestive system that kind of stuff i buy it he's, right. he's a smart guy he right. knows but his the stuff. other yeah. thing about him which i think is interesting is he's also fallible he's wrong at points too mm. in the movie right uh throughout the movie right. yeah because at one Name point uh, well one point in the boat i believe he says oh that's not your shark that's not going to be the shark and quint's right it is the shark uh um there's a scene where he's like oh it's a it's either a hammerhead or when he when he's first pulling um, when he first catches Jaws with his um, his uh, fisherman's line, oh, he's line. saying it would uh, it would rip this thing it's down. It's right. not the shark. But to be mm-hmm. fair, he's right. The thing is, the shark is smarter than him. I mean, no, it's it's not. I think but I still, the shark knew what was going on and it wasn't going to pull. He's it, not you know? always he's not always right, which I like about him. He's smart. Yeah. And he's brave, but... But he's also, he's young and inexperienced. He's young and yeah. inexperienced. And that's the mm-hmm. thing. Uh, because, you know, you know, Quint calls him out on the fact that he, you know, he's got city boy hands, you know? Yeah, like, right, yeah. right. He's, yeah. He, he's, he's, he's... Another in, great scene where they, they, they all finally introduce to each other in Quint's, yeah. uh, in Quint's uh, house or um, shop. Yeah, so I, I like that about him. I think that every character has flaws. He's not a perfect... Cooper's not a perfect mm-hmm. character either, is what I'm no, trying to no. say. Agreed, uh, he yeah. does have some of the best lines in the movie, I will course, say. Yeah. My favorite <laughs> thing he says is before he goes down the cage... Oh. Yeah, well, before he goes out in the cage, is uh, he's like, I don't have any spit because he yeah. needs to spit to clear his mask. <laughs> oh, and right. he, he's, he's scared. So, he's, he's so terrified. He's so terrified. Oh, he has no spit. It's, and then, funny, it's funny and terrifying yeah. at the same time. It's a yeah. great because yeah, we've, we've all been there where you, you don't have any saliva in your mouth, and it, mm-hmm. oh, that was such a real line. And I think it makes mm-hmm. you feel that fear it so much felt better. It ad-libbed and it probably mm-hmm. isn't but it feels ad-libbed to yeah. me. I really mm-hmm. like that. I like the one where he's at the uh, dinner, dinner table and he's like, you guys going to finish this? And he pulls the <laughs> fish, <laughs> just makes himself at home, brings a bottle of wine over and starts talking. <laughs> but yeah. he drinks. Like, yeah, right, right, right. Great. I can add one more interesting thing about the Hooper character. Yeah, right? yeah. And you can probably read about this on Wikipedia but oh uh, I read, you know, this book, this movie was based on a book and it's almost like this This was the kind of movie where they, someone came to Peter Benchley who's the author of the book and said, here's an idea do you want to write it? And it wasn't like his, like, it wasn't like a really a personal statement. Yeah, or right. Yeah. So he wrote the book and then it was like optioned and turned into a movie like a couple, a year or two later. Um, and so the Hooper character in the, in the book was like, it was young, but he was a much, he was uh, more seventies ish, darker. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say when I say seventies ish. He was having an affair with um, Brody's wife and he ends up getting killed at the end of the movie. And Quint, I think ends up surviving if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I remember reading that book and being like, "What? What? This is this character is not like the guy in the in the, yeah. in the movie." So, so, so that's a very Spielbergian addition, though, because right. you can't have his main heroes cheating on the husband. Like, yeah. you can't well, have the well, in, it just infidelity. Like, I mean, honestly, it just seemed like I, I I don't see what that would have added. Added it didn't add anything to the story in the book, and it didn't really add. But anything. But sometimes that's wouldn't. just how. I mean, a lot of times I've seen it doesn't things don't add to the story. They just right. happen to be what the character is like, or right. you know, whatever it, the author wanted it to do. It, it would have been. 
out of tune with the rest of the, the like the tone of the movie. Distract, I, mean, I think it would have been distracting yeah, for sure. Had like an affair going on. And it just doesn't make any sense. Um, I do. I, this is kind of unrelated, but I do want to mention before I forget, one of my favorite scenes also in the movie is a family scene, and this is also very uh, Spielbergian, is... Uh, when he's at the dinner table Ugh. with his son, and, and the, the son little kid is imitating. Is oh man, him. that's and yeah. It's just, it's and the a, music is perfect. Just the like the light orchestral kind of. And that's a great scene because it, it represents you know it talks about their family relationship. It's adorable, but mm-hmm. it also it's very similar. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, it's just it's a kind of scene that just gives the movie a sense of heart. I don't mm-hmm. you know yeah. I don't yeah. know how else to put it, but yeah. that's the way I would. Say. It, it says a lot about. It's actually very similar. We talked about Honey I Shrunk the Kids, where how his son is imitating the father. Like mm-hmm. it's very same thing. He's just imitating his dad. He wants to be like his dad. Mm-hmm. And I, I like how the dad is so lost in his own anxiety and stress, and like mm-hmm. he just and the, the son is imitating him with his head in his hands, and then he kind of like looks over. It's a beautiful scene. Yeah, and it's really well done. I feel like that's unique. I don't feel like that's something. It's not a cliche scene of like a son, oh there's a typical father son scene or it would be executed it's executed differently. Mm-hmm. I can't think of another instance where I've seen something. I know even though I just said Honey I Shrunk yeah. the Kids, yeah. the execution of that scene in particular, the way it plays out, I think is it feels very unique to me. I don't yeah. know. You guys can. We should also mention the uh, the famous scene with uh, I, mean, I think it's famous where uh, Robert Shaw is introduced, where it's like this great slow dolly in and you just, <laughs> you just hear the, the scratching of the uh, yeah. nails on the uh, chalkboard that was a little over the top for me yeah. you know and it's I mean that, that scene that's another one of those scenes that's been parodied numerous times well, and, that, and that scene that's mm-hmm. a, that's the kind of stuff actually I, now you bring that up I wasn't a huge fan that feels very cliche it feels very in, in that's real life that's because it was so often imitated year for right, years right 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 but I mean I, it was unreal no one in real life I don't care how badass you are you wouldn't get people's attention but you just kind of wait there and be like hey got something to say he could have just been leaning against I, the wall you know why this thing with movies where sometimes i watch an older film and i can't tell if it's cliche or it's just been so rooted in pop culture because of that since that scene that it's become yes. cliche yeah and like can you blame a movie for that you know but i think a lot of scene has it's a trope of not that in particular or even parodying that but it's like the main guy who kind of like interrupts the conversation the stoic character who's like who's been waiting in the wings yeah he's just kind of be sitting in the shadows in the corner of the room and he's like with one sentence he's like no nah, you don't know what you're up against and everyone mm-hmm. turns and he's like I've seen what you're looking at I know you know I feel like that is that is done numerous times where you know I've never experienced that not in my real life but I mean you know it's this is a movie that's larger it's, it's in life you don't typically get a right. shark it's very that theatrical, really, really do but this and this is kind of a theatrical movie and, and, you yeah. get, and you get this great Robert Shaw speech where he's like the shark swallow you whole you know yeah he's yeah like, yeah like uh I forget what they're asking for the amount think, of money he's like he's oh, three I won't do it for three I'll do it for ten yeah he's like oh I'll find him for whatever three. He's like, but I'll, I'll catch kill him, him for yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or ten. <laughs> uh, it's a good speech. A yeah. couple other moments I want to mention. Obviously, another infamous moment is when famous <laughs> very famous moment when Brody moment. the you're gonna need a bigger boat. Mm-hmm. Yes, yep. when he's throwing chum yeah. and I love the, the way shark. He, the, you know, he uses the uh, foreground and background, and the shark pops up in the background. And, oh, okay. Like, this is where you come first down see here him. and chomp some of this shit. And then he's like, chomp <laughs> this shit. And then he just pops up. The like, scene where you first, when what's his name is, yeah, he's, he's throwing in the water and just kind of like come. It wasn't, it was so undramatic. Like it was just in the background, in the corner. Mm-hmm. It just kind of like mm-hmm. whoop, comes out of the water. You barely even see it. Like <laughs> I, that scared the hell out of me. It was it's a great scene. Great. The shark, the shark really never feels that. Unnatural until the scene where it jumps on, on the boat. On the boat, like, and it's and it's Charles Robert being close. Right. right, but up until that point, and I think mm-hmm. unfortunately, I, I, not unfortunately, I think fortunately for Spielberg, 
the nature of sharks played heavily in his favor because they are very robotic water, right. and they're very cold. And, it, they, you can, and they're below water, so you don't actually see. Oh, that too, yeah. You, know, you don't actually But even see. when they come out, it's very, the, the eyes are dead. You don't have to worry about making the eyes look lifelike. You don't have to mm-hmm. worry about its motion. It's very, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. worked. Yeah, so the scene on the boat, the very end climax of the movie, that's the least terrifying because obviously it doesn't look... Well, I mean, I think that no, the jumping on the boat, that. but I think, but that, but I do think that the uh, the tilting of the boat and the way he slides into the mouth, yes, still, I mean, that still makes me like kind of like grab my knees. It's, and, you know, <laughs> know what I mean? like, it's uh, it's still got some power to it. I think the image of uh, just the way things are slowly sliding down the boat, and yeah. Robert Shaw wants to hold on. I mean, it's you know like that scene in Cliffhanger at the beginning of a. Uh, I don't. Know, it's amazing how you can just connect it. For, like, like what else? What else have I seen? Where like someone's holding on to someone else. Else. There's a scene at the beginning of that Sylvester Stallone movie, Cliffhanger, where it's the best scene in the movie. Where he drops uh, he's, his wife. Where he, no, it's not. It's, it's like his friend's that girlfriend his or friend's wife. wife. It's his friend's wife. I haven't seen Cliffhanger girlfriend. in a long time. I know yeah. it's been parodied in Ace yeah. Ventura 2. No. In the start of that movie, it's parodied yeah, with the monkey. Yeah. But anyway, no. go ahead. Yeah, I mean, the idea of holding on to someone and seeing your arm slip and slip and slip and, and, and then like death, you know, afterwards. So <laughs> the men. <laughs> Death. <laughs> and well, I, if I was Spielberg, yeah. I, I don't know if I would have the shark come on the boat as much because for yeah. me that felt a little. I don't know if a shark would actually do. I feel like a shark yeah. would stay more in its element in the water and just kind of. The ship was sinking; they were going to fall in the water yeah. anyway. And I That's think kind of like have, the shark sharknado moment. You're right, right. <laughs> you know? And I think honestly, I think you can use that into your advantage. The boat—it's terrifying having a sinking boat in the first place. We've mm-hmm. had a shark in the yeah. water, and then you have this, mach- this killing machine in the water too. Mm-hmm. I feel like they could have. It would have been better if he just kind of kept playing to his defense, his, his strength, and keep the shark more in the water. Have him just slowly, kind of like he's holding onto the boat, he's sliding in. Yeah. You know. Yeah. If I would have made this movie, it would have been much better. Let's just say that. Spielberg, you're good, but yeah, you yeah, made some mistakes. So did you guys, were you a fan of the way things ended with uh, with Brody th- shoving the... Uh, I liked it. And the I, Arab I, thing in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. And, and it felt like and a they typical... they totally set it up, too. I mean, they it's absolutely set it up. Script. Oh, you got to be careful with this. Yes, yes. yes. And as soon as he yeah. said that, I'm like, yeah. I know exactly how they're going to do it. Yeah. I know, I, you know. Yeah. I mean, I just love Roy Scheider's reaction, like with the all the stuff falling down the way he laughs and you know the smile you son of a bitch and I mean it's just yeah, yeah. such a perfect like it's you know it feels cliche but it, like, and what I like too they, they, they actually you know what he's thinking before it happens I think mm-hmm. a lot of times you would normally see this happen much like the shark would just bite and all of a sudden it would open its mouth you'd see the canister you'd fire the canister and it was mm-hmm. done Right. I like that he's kind of you're kind of you're being brought into the plan as it's happening. He realizes he's got the tank in his belt. Okay, come on, smile. I want to get mm-hmm. one shot at that tank, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's reminded me of the one thing that we should talk about before closing out is the editing. The editing, I'm, I can't remember if it won the Oscar for, for best editing. It should have. It's I, I put it up there along with uh, Raging Bull and Raiders of the Lost Ark and and uh, a few other films where I think the editing is just it's it's an art. I mean, this movie is just a masterclass in editing. I mean, I mean that—that's what makes this movie work so well. I mean, everything we've talked about—the the, the flow of, of all these scenes, the suspense, the the fact that you don't see the shark—I mean, so much of that is due. It won three Academy how, Awards. Okay. It won Best Film Editing, Best okay. Score, and Best Sound. Okay, yeah, and the score plays obviously. I mean, we should at least acknowledge the fact that the score was—you know—it's instantly recognizable. And, oh, for uh, sure, just yeah. Jaws's theme, yeah. the main. I actually, yeah, I actually was to... able to play this on the piano as a kid, not just the... Duh, 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 really? Duh, it's so but... complicated and nuanced. How did yes. you do that? <laughs> well, I mean, as you, if you listen to the, this beyond the... Duh, you duh, pretty duh, much duh, just duh, smashed your <laughs> keys and accelerated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I so, sorry, little... I don't mean to demonetize no. your, your accomplishments. Yeah, That's... Well. <laughs> 
I had this thing. I took piano as a kid for a few years, and I always wanted to be able to play all of John Williams scores. So I was able to play Superman and Star nice. Wars and Jaws. That, there you go. And uh, I, I heard. Can you guys confirm that when they originally proposed, or I guess pitched the song for for Spielberg, that he thought it was a joke? He didn't think it was a serious. I like to confirm that. I think I don't know if it's urban legend or actual fact. The score or the score. Well, yeah, that the main theme of the shark. Like I think it was. Hmm. And you think about it, and I think it's. On paper, it does sound a little ridiculous. It's just faster, faster. It's timeless. I mean, it's, I, I don't. Right. I, don't I mean, now, I, but I yes, know, but like, but I, I can very easily see someone being pitched us and being like, "Are you kidding me? Like, Are you we, serious? What we need you is Cat anything? Stevens. We need a Cat Stevens score. <laughs> <laughs> we need <laughs> him <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? I, I, it was I'd like the seventies, man. <laughs> yeah. Totally could have gone for a cat. So I, I've heard, and I, I have to. I should <laughs> confirm it online. You know, through the. Um, uh, let, yeah. let Wikipedia confirm, one, there, but. there was one quote I wanted to mention a, a couple of things um, there's, there's when Spielberg was was uh, reminiscing about this movie he was saying that um, that the, the acting became more crucial to making people believe in this shark and so he was he was he was pointing out that the, that the more fake that the shark became the more he focused on the naturalism of these performances and I think that's another thing that really makes us work is that performances really do feel they don't feel too theatrical i mean you, you can actually notice a contrast a contrast between the the main actors and a lot of the other supporting performers and their performances are a little bit kind of over the top you know all, all the little bit players and can i actually real quick i, I don't want to sure. i don't know where to fit this in because i just thought it was funny but I, I forget what scene i think it's the scene when they're in like the right before robert uh when shaw is introduced and uh scheider's got a pair of glasses on mm-hmm. and they just look completely askew on his face hmm. did anyone else notice that i was no. like i kept cracking up. Wait, I, I, was f- I gotta find a screenshot of this it's like, i think it's the scene where they're in the what, classroom or meeting room or whatever that is and he's talking to them and he's he has a pair of like the big 70s like glasses eyeglasses mm-hmm. on but they're like not positioned well on his face like the right hmm. side it's like up and bent know. forward i gotta get a fo- i gotta get a screenshot and post it later this hmm. is like it's your the dave most- boring span sound effect boing. Boing. <laughs> <laughs> this is like this is the a visual boing. i'm like what is this no one notices this no i gotta um, find a picture of it it was i was cracking up looking at it were you guys aware that the uh that all the most of the photography on the boat was handheld i mean it's hard to tell but, mm. but it doesn't feel handheld. Right, right. Yeah. It doesn't feel Michael Bay and handheld. The other thing you can about see the movie, what's going I on. I mean, um, the making of this movie is fascinating. It's been documented a lot, mm. uh, mainly because the shark didn't work and mm. he, you know, he thought he was going to fail. He was a young director. It's, in fact, uh, there's a screenplay that was on the blacklist. You guys know what the blacklist is? Uh, um, yes. The, it's like the top unproduced screenplays that you know get produced In Hollywood, every year. right. Yeah. And this past year, there's a movie uh, about the making... Uh, uh, Kind of like they did with Saving Mr. Banks, there was a mm. movie in Hollywood now that they're trying to get made about the making of Jaws, mm. but you know, kind of like the historical fictional account of that. Mm. Um, but it's just a, it's a really interesting story, just because they didn't shoot in a water tank, they shot actually in the water right, for right, the most right. part, really? right. which in, is, in the ocean, yeah, or they actually shot um, off. Um, Nantucket? No. Yeah, I mean, as opposed to being uh, on a studio, they used to... Or Martha's Vineyard, excuse me. They shot in Martha's Vineyard, yeah. I believe. But they actually, there was no studio. It's not like Titanic, which was shot in a giant, you know, tank and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it is slightly askew, Mike. <laughs> this is actually not the worst scene it is. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, yeah, we're looking at the... Um, and to be fair, the guy... Mike is showing a shot of the uh, <laughs> of the Dolly Zoom shot where uh, Roy Scheider has glasses on. And there's a worse, there's a worse scene. <laughs> I would have found it. And to be fair, actually, he, he used to be a professional boxer back, I think, in the 50s. Roy Scheider? Yeah, so oh, his, wow. his nose is probably all busted up. I mean, that's why huh. glasses don't sit well on his face. Yeah. But, um, it's funny, he's, he's got like... 
there's like a little bit of a wimpy quality to him, but he also yeah, at the same time it's like uh, he he also feels kind of tough, like a tough, yeah. There, there's wimpy, something about him. I think he's, he's a tough wimp. He's a tough wimp. He's tough like wimp. You know, yeah, or a wimpy tough guy. A wimpy tough I think he's a wimpy tough guy. A wimpy tough guy. <laughs> so, uh, any final thoughts before we close out? We've been actually um, running a little long. Yeah, so. I know. I figured this was going to go long. I, I did. I did want to mention that maybe I'm trying to think of other things that people listening to this may not know about uh, how Jaws changed things as far as uh, movies are concerned. That before Jaws, and I don't, I don't know if this was actually the only, the first movie to do this. Um, movies weren't released the way they are today. You know, you. you what's the most recent big blockbuster that just came out? So that would say like Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise movie. 22 Jump Street. 22 Jump that Street. Is actually or, the biggest. So or How to Train Your Dragon 2 or, or anything that's... Nope, not compared to 22 Jump Street. Well, I mean, movies that are released today, right? Any Cinematic movie that come out is released in like 3,000 theaters because that's how many movie theaters there are. And back then, movies, there weren't as many theaters to begin with. I mean, there may be over a few hundred movie theaters, but they weren't, movies weren't released all at once on a weekend, they were released, you know, at a few theaters and then gradually rolled out and then word of mouth had spread. Right. And that's just the way it was. But, um, you know, the studio wanted to release, wanted to kind of experiment with this idea of releasing the movie in a whole bunch of theaters. And so, um, since then that's kind of become the, the standard, you know, thing which is mm. is that why it's called the first blockbuster i think maybe that's part of it yeah and also summer wasn't wasn't really it was kind of a dumping ground like right now if you see a movie come out in january february that, that's the dumping th- ground. those are those are typically movies that that are like okay well, the movie's not that good and we still need to release it but we're going to release it in january or february and and before jaws i mean a lot of those movies were released in the summer because you know oscars were always in like the early spring or late winter and uh, so all the mm. great movies were released like between September and December so that people would have those movies on their minds. But now, you know, you get kind of a mix. You get like, you know, a mixture of like independent uh, prestige kind of movies in the summer and big blockbuster movies. And, you know, I don't think studios see those blockbuster movies as like an afterthought. They see them as like their bread and butter now. I mean, it's, uh, you know, that's bread and butter it's, you know, bread it's, and butter. It's, it's, I want to say that that theme of bread and butter comes up numerous times in the movie as well that scene where Jaws butters his bread butters his bread so, so to speak I mean we're speaking it's metaphors all metaphorical here. Yeah. anyway and then there's a scene at the dinner table quite literally they're buttering their bread okay so <laughs> no one ever says Jaws in this movie by the way yeah, yeah. Well, so you, yeah. you didn't have a moment him Jaws. <laughs> you didn't have a moment like the Rocketeer where he's like, "Hey, we'll call him the Rocketeer." They didn't like actually and he says, say, "I'm the Rocketeer." I believe in right. several <laughs> moments in the movie they actually point to him and say, "Look, there goes the Rocketeer." So, right. <laughs> yeah. But this movie, you saw a lot of Jaws. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. Well, you yes, saw it. It was did. a visual. Anyway, right, let's wrap this up. <laughs> I, I'm getting loopy I've been here. looking tired. I think it's time. I was right. always looking tired. He's a father now. It's just it's just <laughs> part of his it's tired all the time. Um, yeah. So we are closing out this episode. Um, <laughs> this Dave heavy episode. No, this is great. Actually, I'm I'm glad we talked about. This is a good movie to talk about. Um, Mike, what are we doing next episode? I would like to propose this LA is, Confidential. Perhaps? This is Mike's pick. We, we, we've decided we're going round robin. So Dave chose Jaws. Mike's choosing LA Confidential. I will choose the next film. So, right. LA so Confi- you can just skip next week. It'll be fine. LA Confidential, the classic movie with uh, Russell Crowe. Russell, oh, yeah, Russell Crowe and, and Kevin Guy Spacey Pierce. and Guy Pierce. Kim Basinger won an Oscar for Kim it. Kim Basinger, and, yes. Directed by who? Uh, Curtis Hansen. Ooh, that was a good poll. Good pull. Curtis this Hansen is good. also the guy that directed In Her Shoes. The camera. Oh, another good pull. <laughs> All right, and I'm going to do one. Wonder I'm going to do one, guys. Guy Pierce's Memento. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. 
So, uh, <laughs> Mike, where can people find you on the web? You can find me at uh, Twitter. It's Mike Mur- at Mike Morandi and then uh, MikeMorandi.com. Dave, where can people find you? Dave Glanz on Twitter. That's G-L-A-N-Z and DaveGlanzProductions.com. Um, and I am at Ivan Kander and on Twitter, uh, Lucky9Studios.com. And uh, you can read uh, my writing on ShortOfTheWeek.com uh, where we highlight short films. If you want to uh, get in touch with the show, you can email us at contact at ReviewedPodcast.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash ReviewedPodcast, and at ReviewedPodcast.com. Also, leave an iTunes review. Tell your friends to listen to us three idiots talk just because it's nice <laughs> um, so until next time farewell and adieu and uh, we will see you for LA Confidential <laughs> Dave you don't have ladies. any kind of like a, a catchphrase for the end uh, like, so I'm, I'm trying to do my Robert Shaw impression <sighs> farewell and adieu ladies of Spain <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>